You're listening to the Platte River Bard. What a special treat it was to sit down with Dr. Arthur Feinsod, guest director of Our Town at the Nebraska Repertory Theater that opens April 13th. Dr. Feinsod has served as artistic director for Crossroads Repertory Theater in Terre Haute, Indiana. He also co-founded and served as artistic director for Theater 7, where he staged plays that included Death of a Salesman in the historic Indiana Theater. As a playwright, he has written Malcolm's Call, Table 17, Between the Dams, and Coming to See Aunt Sophie. He taught theater at Trinity College in Hartford, and he served as resident dramaturg with the Hartford Stage Company. Between 2001 and 2021, he was a professor of theater at the Honors College at Indiana State University, where he received the Caleb Mills Award for Excellence in Teaching and the Theodore Dreiser Award for Research in Creativity. His immense talent and experience has brought us to the reimagination and inclusion of the story of our town. And due to his great working relationship with composer Craig Wirtz, we will see this play with Craig's newly developed score. We are so privileged to speak with him today about his experience and his production. We know you will be too. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And we are here today with Arthur Feinsod. He's a director and professor emeritus at the Indiana State University. And he's the current director of the upcoming Our Town at the Nebraska Rep. And he's going to talk to us about that because there's a lot going on with this particular production. Thank you for talking with us. My sir. pleasure. Nice Welcome. to be here. Thank you. Welcome to Nebraska. Thank you. Thank you so much. Lincoln, nice yeah. yeah. Is this your first time in Nebraska? Uh, no, I was, I've been here several times. You have? Actually, at Nebraska Rep or at the University of Nebraska oh. teaching. I taught um, a, a class on mask acting and on um, uh, various other subjects. So I've, okay. I've been around here. Yeah. So you understand the weather. I do. <laughs> I do. Not too much different from Terre Haute, Indiana. <laughs> That's true. Everybody said that is true. Well, you're originally from New York. Correct. Um, I grew up on Long Island, Roslyn, Long Island, and um, so uh, in fact, I, I, I developed a great interest in theater early on, and uh, studied um, acting in New York City with Sonia Moore, who had oh, studied neat. under Stanislavski in Russia. Nice. So um, I, I learned from the from the best, even when I was in high school. She was an wow. amazing amazing teacher and a big influence on me hmm. so um, and I also was in school plays through high school and continued a little bit of acting at, at college at Harvard Harvard didn't have a theater major so I was a right. government major a political yeah. science they called it government uh, concentrating in political theory uh, but uh, on the side I directed four plays four full-length plays while I was a student there at the Loeb Experimental Theater mm. 
and uh, and I also taught at a maximum security prison, a Walpole State Prison. I was the um, every Wednesday night for three of the four years I was at Harvard. I went out to Walpole and uh, taught an acting class, and in the final year we did a production that was written by the inmates, and I directed them at it. So, oh, wow! So this is just a little bit of my wow. background before I even um, you know went to graduate school to become a professor of theater. Right. So that was that was early seventies. Yes. You graduated in 1973. Correct. I was just curious um, because I know how much that, which is the reason that we're here, uh, how much that you... Uh, love Thornton Wilder, and I know he passed away in '75. Did you ever get a chance to meet him no, during that time? No, oh. never, never did. Um, you know, my my the the chance I had to really get to know Thornton Wilder didn't occur until I wrote my book, The Simple Stage. Um, the way that happened was uh, that, and that actually is an evolution out of my my dissertation. So I, I wrote my dissertation at NYU, New York University under Michael Kirby and um, the subject of my of my book what well, became my book but the dissertation was on the simple stage the evolution of the simple stage in the American theater mm-hmm. you know where did simplicity come from so I went back to its roots in philosophy as well as in the other arts besides theater as well as theater and looked at um, how we got the simple stage and of course the last chapter of my book the simple stage is on Thornton Wilder yeah. So I looked at his early plays that led up to Our Town, and I spent a, a significant amount of time on Our Town itself. Yeah. And uh, up to that point, I had not I had not seen a production of Our Town, and I had never directed anything from mm. Our Town or even Thornton Wilder in general. Um, and so, and that was in about 1991 when that book came out, The Simple Stage. Yeah, I was looking for that last night. I was going to see if I could try to get a copy of it. That's hard right. to get a hold of. It, it is. Yeah. It, it's, unfortunately, it's very expensive. So, uh, and I, I have no say on that. No, I know. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got your Master's of Arts from Berkeley, and yes. then you got your PhD from New York University in 86. So then in 90, I'm sorry, you said 91? 91, I was a professor at yeah. Trinity College in Hartford. Yep. And uh, about the time that the the simple stage was published um i was approached by a student named craig wurz who came up to me and said uh professor i didn't know him i hadn't been in any of my classes he said um you know i really love the play our town and i'd like to write music and i'm actually in the process of writing music for it would you be willing to direct it with my music and I wow. listened to maybe one or two pieces and was completely enthralled. And I said, "Sure, let's do it." So, so that was in 1991. Okay. I directed uh, *Our Town* with Craig's music, and um, it was, you know, quite successful. And we had as our Emily, which is the lead role, mm-hmm. as our Emily, we had a woman named Annie McNamara who mm-hmm. has been nominated for two Tony Awards. That's a familiar name. Yeah. The latest uh, nomination she had was for Slave Play, which was on Broadway. And uh, she was nominated for that. And she had a second, uh, earlier nomination as well. Well, of course, she was a student at the time, and she auditioned, got the part of Emily. And... um, and so the production was, you know, quite successful. But you know, the way college productions are, you done with it, and you're done with it, and you right. go on to something else, and something else, something else, something else. Mm-hmm. So uh, many years later, I was a professor at Indiana State University, and I got an email from Craig Wurz, and he said, you know, I was thinking, um, 
Would you be interested in reviving our our town after all these years? And um, I've worked on the music. I've developed the music further than what, where it was in 1991. And uh, would you be interested in doing it somewhere in the Midwest? Mm-hmm. At the time, I was the artistic director of Crossroads Repertory Theater in Terre Haute, Indiana. Okay. And at that particular time, we didn't have the money to do a show with this larger cast. So I told them, well, I don't think we could do it here at uh, Crossroads Rep, but let me keep in mind, maybe there'll be another place in the Midwest that might be interested. So in the meantime, Andy Park, who uh, I had worked with on several occasions on several projects, who had been the artistic director of Quest Theater in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, was hired to be the artistic director at Nebraska Rep. Mm-hmm. And I so I pitched the idea to Andy. I said, you know, this might be a really good project, and maybe I can do it, you know, after I retire, so I can actually spend some time here in, in yeah. Nebraska. So uh, he listened to the music. I think he saw the videotape of our Our Town production from 1991. We had made a videotape, you know, a student-run one, was some very good quality, but it was fine. He sure. got the he got a chance to see it, and he said, "Yeah, let's do it." So, yeah. uh, and the rest is history. We've been working on it pretty much ever since. Wow, yeah. I want to say Quest Theater was the one that he founded. He did find and found it's a it. Free yes, theater. it was a free theater. Yeah. The way it worked, yeah, it's no longer in existence. But for I think it was for 15 years, if wow. I'm not mistaken, um, it was totally free. Uh, and the way they did it, and it was actually a brilliant idea. Um, at the very end of each show, they said, you know, they basically passed the hat, yeah. and um, and they found that they first of all they had full houses. Yeah. And even if they had 20% of the people putting, you know, a $20 bill or a $10 mm-hmm. bill or a $5 bill, uh, they were making more money than people who, you know, the many, many, many theaters that were charging $20, $40 and had uh, 10 people in their house right. or 20 people or 40 people, whatever. And they, they were actually doing, you know, quite quite well. Wow, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I, wish, I wish there were more experiments like that. Oh, oh yes, right? I agree. I agree. <laughs> and it was a wonderful theater, and I saw many of their Productions, excellent, very high quality work, and partly because of Andy's vision and his his uh, abilities as a director and artistic director. Wow! Yeah. So Andy said, "Come on down to the rep, and we'll do it here." Come on exactly. down. Come on but down. But what changes this time? Right, right. So, well, um, there were changes back in 1991, also. Okay. Um, I had just now adding. So, I'm uh, the because the music thing is. Because it's not a musical. For those who haven't seen Our Town, it's not a musical. So we talk about, so uh, adding the music to it is essentially you're sort of almost like giving the... Giving it a soundtrack, almost. Is it almost, yeah. It's um, mm-hmm. it's really underscoring, mostly underscoring. Under- underscoring you know, sure. but um, there are times when the music is literally underscoring underneath dialogue, and there are times when the music kind of rises to prominence between scenes, um, moments within scenes, etc. Okay. Okay. So. Um, so it's not a musical. There's no right. singing except the singing that's already built into the play. There's some hymns that are yeah, sung, and, and, hymns, and, yeah. and there are, those are traditional hymns, and mm-hmm. those have not changed mm-hmm. in any way. We, we use those traditional hymns. Mm-hmm. But um, we are um, working with this extraordinary, 
exquisite music. I mean, it is just oh. gorgeous. And, mm. and it's so interesting because right now we're in a rehearsal phase where um, the the person who's playing the piano, um, Sal Nache, who, who is a wonderful musical director, but he's had to go over to work with the other musicians because it's, it's, a, it's a little orchestra. It's a little, actually, it's a piano quintet. Piano, two violins, viola, and a cello. Oh, wow. That's the music, that, that's the orchestration. Nice. And so Sal, who has been playing the piano underneath our work now for, you know, maybe last week and a half has had to go over to work with the other musicians and with the composer uh, Craig Wurz as well as Charlie Alterman who is helping with the orchestration and so um, they're working independently from us so we the last few rehearsals have been without music Mm -hmm. and it's it's really interesting because the music has become such a fundamental part of our production that it feels so funny we feel kind of you know naked without our music it's just like it's a it's our soul it's our clothes it's our essence you know and uh, and that's a credit to the music it's just exquisite it it has really become a part of the production oh absolutely part of the uh, absolutely part of the production in Mm -hmm. in a very deep way and 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 the underscoring has been very specific like we we, you know, we know that we want to end the music on this line, uh, on this movement, uh, on this uh, moment when somebody, you know, um, you know, crosses and and hits this particular set piece. It stops or starts or whatever. Mm-hmm. So working that out has been a long and exciting process. One of the things that we did for that is that myself and two actors went to New York and we sat down with the composer and with the with uh, the orchestrator and we we sat down and read the script straight through from beginning to end mm-hmm. and um, they would stop us and we would we would uh, start again and they would tinker with the music and say well this is a few too many bars let's cut the bars now read it again okay now mm-hmm. so we worked mm-hmm. that way wow. just three actors and the composer and the orchestrator and wow. we were kind of working together as a team which was really an extraordinary and very exciting process say, that's astounding yeah mm-hmm. and you just went through the whole the whole thing, the whole script essentially beat by beat almost yes we had well, well we Holy had three different God. actors we had Christopher Austin, who's now the stage manager. Okay. We had uh, Charles Adams, who did all the other male roles besides the stage manager. Okay. And then we had a woman named Becca, who I hadn't met until that time, and she read all the female parts. Okay. So it, it was just the three of us, and there were times when Charles would, would pick up some of the female roles if there were a lot of female roles in the scene, or, sure. or Becca would take some of the male parts if there were a lot of male parts in the scene. Okay. So, but it, it, it these are very fine actors and so they gave so much to the to the music so we we literally sculpted the music around these three actors their voices their intonations the the time it takes and as the director I would say things like well there's going to be some blocking here they're probably going to be walking Mm. I'd say another 30 seconds so so we we kind of you know did a rough estimate of how much time the blocking would take in order to sculpt the music yeah. around that as well and extraordinarily a lot of that timing was very close once we actually got the whole cast there wow. really that's amazing 
That sounds absolutely fascinating. Can I do that? I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> You'd be wonderful, Chris. I would love to, love to have had like you there. I would love to have had you there. So you've just been directing for so long. Long time. And what, have you done some roles as well in acting? As that acting. You really um, I used to act a lot. Um, I actually, in high school, that's all I did. I mm-hmm. acted a lot. Uh, that's my, that was my theater uh, experience mm-hmm. was acting. And then uh, did a little bit of acting at Harvard um, my first year or two. Um, and then I started to direct. And once I started yeah. to direct, it was I was that now was going it. back. I, yeah. I just loved, okay. fell in love with directing. And so stopped acting. The only acting I've done since then really is mask acting. I became very interested in mask acting um, technique and, hmm. and started teaching mask acting. And so I myself uh, did Commedia dell'arte characters like okay. Il Capitano and, and okay. would do lecture demonstrations with the masks of the uh, Commedia dell'arte as part of my lecture on Commedia dell'arte, which I did throughout the United States and Italy as part of uh, Elder Hostel and oh, nice. things like that. So so that was just little touches of acting. That's that's really only the only acting I've done really since college. But oh, you, wow. you have done a lot overseas then too. I think yes. I read Poland um, was one. Right. And yes. I, was it... Uh, was it Austria? No, uh, Poland, Germany. So, Germany. so I wrote a play called Coming to See Anne Sophie, who was about a Holocaust um, hero yes. named Jan Karski. And um, uh, when we knew it was going to be his, um, the, I think it's the 200th anniversary of his birth or something like that, mm-hmm. um, uh, they asked me to work on a play for, about him, about his life. So um, I, I worked on that play, and we got a very nice grant to take mm. the cast, uh, and we opened it in Germany at a festival in Germany, which is wow. an incredible experience. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life to do it in Germany. And then we yeah. also doing it in Poland, um, and this he was a Polish hero, so uh, we went to his hometown uh, in Łódź and uh, performed, performed the play there, and other wow. places, uh, Warsaw, etc. We performed it on the uh, grounds of the Warsaw Ghetto. And of course, uh, the, oh, wow. uh, and it was mm. hugely moving because he um, actually, as a Catholic, he went into the um, into the uh, Warsaw Ghetto in disguise so he could see, be a witness of what was happening there to the Jews that were dying of starvation, etc. And um, and because he, he wanted to tell the world about it, and of course his story is how he went to first to England, then to the United States, to FDR himself, mm-hmm. to tell him the story of what was happening what in was the Holocaust. On, and yeah. yep. Wow. So, uh, so being on the grounds of the old Warsaw Ghetto and delivering that play was, mm. yeah, one of the I most moving experiences. It was, yeah. Poland wow, is wonderful. I, I, I had an opportunity to go to Poland, and I found Poland to be absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And oh, absolutely. I agree. Most people just were just the greatest. They oh, were. They we, were. So much they fun. were. And the Germans yeah. were as well. The Germans welcomed us and, and the Polish people. I mean, we, we couldn't have asked for a better situation for doing it. But since then, coming to San Sophie's been done in Australia and, and other Ooh, places cool. and a lot yeah. of places in the United States. So. Um, You've done a few stories, I mean, out of some of some of these real life um, experiences. I know you did Raisin in the Sun. Yes. Um, yes. So w- what are some of the contrasts sure. that you've 
you've noticed just in doing that story as opposed to how we deal with slavery here in our history and how yes, how yes, we go about yes. honoring that and 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 you know comp- compensating for that sure 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 well that's a really good question um when i came to um indiana state university i came with the idea of doing initiatives um in what i called international initiatives and i, yeah. I when i first arrived i brought some russian actors and we integrated with russian actors did Chekhov with members of the moscow art theater that was my first summer with the uh, crossroads repertory theater then called summer stage uh, the second year we brought germans the same germans who we ended up performing coming to San sophie for at their theater in Mannheim. They came over and we did um, The Jewish Wife by Bertolt Brecht, for example. We did okay. cabaret with Germans playing some of the German roles, et cetera, mm. oh, cool. which was a, a bridge-building experience mm-hmm. for me. Um, mm. We then had a Trinidadian initiative the following summer where we brought a, Trini- a group of Trinidadian actors, directors, um, choreographers, and did a brand-new musical uh, by my friend Tony Hall, who, by the way, this production is dedicated to yeah. his memory. He just uh-huh. died recently. And he also mm-hmm. directed my play, um, Table 17. So I was very mm-hmm. close to him. Uh, but anyway, that was a mm-hmm. group that came uh, to uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. And um, after we finished our four years of this international initiative, I decided to do something that would be more of a national thing, but with a particular focus. We focused on the African-American experience. I directed uh, Raisin in the Sun. And Tony Hall from Trinidad uh, came back and directed my play, Table 17, which was a, a play that I wrote based on my own past experience as a Jewish person growing up with African-American domestics. And it was about the relationship between um, African-Americans who had previously been domestics in this guy, the main character's home, uh, based on my own experience. and. Tony directed that and uh, did a, a beautiful job. And since then, that per- that play has done has gone to other places as well. But um, but the Raisin in the Sun was in the context uh, for me of doing what I considered, from my perspective, the greatest uh, African American play. I just love that play. I've taught it for many years, so it was a, a thrill to direct it mm-hmm. with a with a marvelous cast, including the the lead role was played by a Trinidadian actor named Michael. Cher- Mm. who was a brilliant actor and who was now in movies and doing quite well. But, um, Excellent. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you attribute? I mean, you've been, you've been able to do so much. What do you attribute to it? I mean, well, you know, I, I, I consider myself a bridge builder. I feel, I feel like that's what I was put on this earth to do. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt that I... I played that role. Uh, in my family, I felt I played that role. Um, and then later on, I felt like that was something I just really enjoyed doing, bringing people together who maybe had things in their past that kept them apart. Mm-hmm. So doing uh, The Jewish Wife, for example, uh, was an amazing experience because the woman uh, from Monheim who played The Jewish Wife didn't know any Jews uh, mm-hmm. because there were no Jews in Monheim for very sad and tragic reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, she came to this country. Uh, I directed her and the Jewish wife by Bertolt Brecht. Oh, wow. And um, my mother and father came and met with her so she would get to understand something about Jewish culture. My father met with the guy who played uh, her husband. 
Um, and he had known very few Jews in his life, and my father you know, gave him a Yiddish lesson and Aww. things like that. And, um, and it was an incredibly moving experience for all of us because it was going back to World War II. Um, Karin, who played the lead role in Jewish Wife, her father had fought uh, on the Nazi side of things in, in World War II. My father had fought in the Battle of the Bulge on our side of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was uh, incredibly moving for us to kind of felt like we were healing old wounds by doing this. Um, and interesting, we took the Jewish wife back to Monheim after we did it in Terre Haute, Indiana. And uh, I was given the key to the city, and so I was giving a presentation. I knew that uh, Karen's father would be there. And... Um, mm. My father said, um, it's very important to me, Arthur, that when you see him, you go to him and you shake his hand and say that I just want to shake your hand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow, what a what an absolutely moving experience. You've yeah. been able to. And this is, uh, you know, this is what I feel I, you know, what I love about theater is theater enables us to do that. Yes. So when the Trinidadians were there, it was, you know, it was um, Americans with Trinidadians working on the same stage. Um, with the Russians, I was working with Moscow Art Theater actors. We were doing Chekhov together, and yeah. uh, we were learning from them. They were learning from us. Um, and I feel that theater has the, has this marvelous ability to heal moons and uh, build bridges and um, I, I feel very proud that I've had the opportunity through theater to do that. That is amazing. And it's amazing to have that experience, especially when you get somebody of the culture to do some of the works of yeah. their culture. And, and you get to experience that. And guys, and you got to go and to work with. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Um, and, and healing not everybody at gets the same that time. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, so many things. Uh, that are just so positive that come out of that and there there's really no way to to, to undersell it and it, it's it's one of those things that like you said we only get this in theater mm-hmm. we only get this and yeah movies tv fine but you're you're looking at a box right right um and i think uh, especially coming out of the pandemic and coming back into yes. the theater, and you were talking about how some of your actors, this this may have been the first time they've gotten back on the stage since the pandemic. That's right. That's right. And I think it's that old adage, you don't realize what you had until you lost it. Uh, and absolutely. we kind of almost lost everything. And as mm-hmm. we're getting back into theater, oh boy, is this a lot more important than we thought it was. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and the in-person, you know, on the computer, on the TV's nice. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not this. It's, right, right. And it's so it's relevant. Not this. It's, it's so just, relevant. Yeah, yeah, very relevant. And and that's a good segue to our town because um, this has been a huge bridge building experience for all of us. Um, my concept of our town um, is that um, I'm imagining the stage manager who um, it's unclear in the original production and in the script as written if he's an insider or an outsider. And, and you know, the, what Wilder does with him yeah. is basically make him sort of with one foot inside or one side outside. Or one way he feels like he's part of the town and some ways he's a bit of an outsider watching the town. Mm-hmm. And I decided, I said, well, let me think about the stage manager I want to build. And um, I 
um, have this wonderful, brilliant African-American actor named uh, Christopher Austin, who's playing the stage manager. And the way I imagined it is that he would, um, I just imagined an African-American of about our time, a contemporary one, mm-hmm. um, who um, is camping in the White Mountains and sees how beautiful the White Mountains are and and stumbles upon a little town called Grover's Corners in a little part of, uh, you know, in a valley in New Hampshire. And he lands there at night and he lands in a graveyard. Mm-hmm. And he starts taking notes on the names of the uh, on the gravestones and notices their years and when they lived and realizes that oh this person was married to this person oh and this person died in childbirth because she was 23 years old when she died and oh but he but must have been, and so he puts it all together yeah. and he creates 1901 Grover's Corners based on these hours spent uh, off of gravestones now I stole that from Edgar Lee Masters who kind of did something like that to create Spoon River Anthology. Okay. So I th- I thought, well, you know, why couldn't our town start like that? So the play starts in a graveyard. Huh. Um, we see him with a knapsack and his bedroll, and he's taking notes in a notebook kind of like this. And, <laughs> and we see him at the end of a long process of getting the names and figuring it out, and suddenly he sees, he has epiphany, I see Grover's Corners. But he doesn't see it the way it probably actually was in 1901. He sees it the way he wish it were. Mm. The way he said, the Grover's Corner that I would like to think it could have been. And this Grover's Corners is a diverse world, a world where there is no prejudice, no intolerance, no uh, restrictions that would prevent somebody from moving up to New Hampshire from New York or from wherever else. So we have the most diverse cast you have ever seen on a stage. That's great. And I love that fact. And and we are all working so well together. We are an ensemble of people from such different cultural and and ethnic and religious backgrounds. And here Mm -hmm. we are all on the same stage creating a Grover's Corners that should have been in 1901 if there was no prejudice and and restrictions. Why couldn't there be, um, and what's great is we're using the text exactly as it's written. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's no mention of of race, and there's no No. mention of religion because there's no reason to, because Thornton Wilder wrote it for a white cast talking about white issues or whatever in 1901, Grover's Corners, which makes sense. Um, and And so we have the same text and so we have a mixed mixed cast with with lots of uh, diversity and they never talk about race and they marry each other and they support each other and they dance together and they have this great time and guess what this is the 1901 that the stage manager imagines which is one where they don't talk about race because it doesn't matter no, because because doesn't. we are a family we work together we're together and and this is the 1901 he wants it to have been yeah and mm-hmm. and what i hope the audience walks away and this is kind of brechtian and i think you'd appreciate the brechtian aspect of this is to think 
well, why can't we have a society today where we don't talk about race? Not because it's not important, but we don't talk about it because it doesn't matter. It doesn't, there's no reason to talk about race unless it comes up. If it comes up as a cultural interest, for sure, no problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it doesn't come up as something to talk about as something, ooh, this person's marrying so-and-so, or this person is hanging out with so-and-so because they're different, because they're a different religion, or a different race, or a different ethnicity, or whatever. They don't talk about it. Why? Because the 1901 of the stage manager's imagination is the one that, and why can't we live like that? Mm -hmm. Why can't why we have that side? And that's the vision that we are sharing with the audience. This is, we're imagining 1901 very specifically to say in a Brechtian way to walk out thinking, why can't America why? be like this? What if? Yeah. What if? What if? And mm. why not? Why not start now? Well, yeah, we they didn't do that in 1901, but hey, we can start that right now yeah. if we want to, if we have the courage to do it. I think that's a really clever way of looking at it, and I was struck, and 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 I wasn't struck until I actually thought about it afterwards. It is it is very, and 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 not an insulting way. It's it's very simply and plainly written, but very brilliantly written. Yeah. I think you could be anybody and see yourself, your family, your community in that show. I almost Absolutely. think it doesn't matter where right. you're from. And I think that's part of the brilliant, well, yeah, it's a big part of the brilliance of it. And it's written, and I want to say generically, because that, that, no, that's no. not correct. Yeah. But I would say he gets maybe yeah. is a better word. Well, yeah. the the word that I used a lot in my chapter on Thornton Wilder back in 1991 was uh, essential, the es essence of humanity. Yes, there you that go. he gets beneath culture to the essence of what what makes us tick. What's our 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 deepest humanity? And I think this is why someone like Edward Albee said that uh, uh, Our Town was the greatest American play, because I think Thornton Wilder succeeded. Uh, where so many playwrights didn't quite get there, maybe tried, but didn't quite get there, to get to the essence of our humanity. Yeah. And, and that's why it, it can work with great diversity um, as well as with non-diversity. It is an essentialized story. It's showing characters that are, he gets right down to the soul of the character uh, with very few words, with very efficient words. Yes. Um, and enables us to enter into it ourselves and use it as a way to bridge between groups, between people. Um, and, and, and I think Thornton Wilder would be very happy with that. I, you know, we don't change the text. You know, we're legally bound not to, and I feel mm, that right. that's not a limitation. That is a freedom to me. It's a freedom that now I could... You know, using the text, that's my discipline. My discipline is the text. And now I have the added discipline of the music. In other words, we, we have to function within the music. We have to function within this amazing text. But within those bounds, we are totally free. And we yeah. have the ability to to cut to the essence of what this what this playwright is is doing and the music helps us because the music is very essentialized um, I did not ask um, uh, Craig to go in the direction of many cultures because the whole point of the play is to get beneath culture to get to the essence of of sound the essence of humanity that is not culturally specific yeah. so uh, you know in an earlier thought I said oh well let's have 
you know, somebody with a, with a um, Hispanic accent and somebody with a Trinidadian accent and somebody, you know. And, and, and then I realized, no, because the journey of the play as we're doing it is to get underneath culture and even to get, as my director's note says, underneath individual difference mm-hmm. to the essence that connects all of us, mm-hmm. which is, and when you get to act three, it is not about, I mean, that's the beauty of that act is that we are in a world of essences. We are, you know, that is one of his great creations and probably the, one of the greatest acts ever written in the American theater. As, as great as, uh, as act one, act two, or act three takes us to a place that I don't think any playwright prior to 1938 uh, was able to get us to. I mean, I think we got close in plays like The Adding Machine and, and some yeah. of thought uh, some of Eugene O'Neill's plays. But I think when you get to um, uh, Act Three, he takes us to a place of the, the f- most, the deepest place of who we are as human beings. It was really unexpected watching it. I, I, I didn't expect uh, Act Three to, to be like that. And, and 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 not that it's drastically different. Yep. But uh, yeah, it, it's each each act of the play seems to I guess maybe dig a bit deeper, maybe yes. go or yes. go a little bit deeper as you sort of follow the 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 sort of mainish couple. But but it's it's about other folks too. Yep. But uh, through their relationship. Sure, and sure, then, sure. And then and then uh, the the end. Right. But that, that was kind of the thing that he had a little bit of a writer's block finishing the story. So it probably... I mean, he had a hard time with the third act. doesn't yeah. sound like it was yeah. in his mind to begin with. The yeah. ending wasn't in yeah. the, his mind when he started yeah. it. But he when, he, when he, when he nailed it, boy, he knew he yeah. nailed it. You see it in his mm-hmm. letters, and he was, he was ecstatic because he realized he had pay dirt. Yes, yes. And it's, it's, I mean, it's extraordinary and extraordinarily challenging. Uh, And it has to, I keep telling the actors, it just, we just have to be perfect with it because it's, it's pure poetry. Um, Visually, it has to be right on the money. um, And with this music, we have a big advantage because the, because the music takes us to a very deep place. Um, uh, I can't imagine, see, I can't imagine watching this with, 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 music it's, it's and now mm-hmm. i can't imagine watching it ever again without, without music, music. Oh. Yeah. and without craig's music to be perfectly honest sure. with you and and uh and of course i'm i'm not objective in saying that but um <laughs> but but seriously i mean the actors are saying because we've lost the music for the last three rehearsals yeah. two rehearsals they all say I feel like we're, we've lost our best friend. I mean, mm. it's just amazing. And and now I look at it, and as I still love what the actors are doing. I'm very proud of the work they do. The designers have done exquisite work, but the music is kind of the soul of what we're doing. And uh, and mm. without it, we just felt like we're missing our soul. So um, so I am so excited about sharing this with the folks in Nebraska, and uh, of of really revisiting because we have reimagined our town through our town we have not changed it there's no change yeah. of one mm. you know that the the words are the same as on the page but we've 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 reimagined it with a with a contemporary stage manager who wants to bring us all together 
um, who wants to see 1901 America, if there was no previous slavery, if there was no previous um, Jim Crow laws, if there was no, uh, if a person from South Asia living in New York City who had the money and would not be hit with uh, real estate um, uh, restrictions and would be able to move to New Hampshire and be uh, the doctor who's, in, who's at the doctor in the Gibbs family. The idea is that um, what would that world have looked like in 1901? And now that we see that, let that be an inspiration for us in 2022, mm -hmm. that we can be a mixed society and truly a melting pot, truly yes. a melting pot, not a, not a surface melting pot, but a deep melting pot where we appreciate each other, we celebrate each other. Um, and this, you know, is connected to my work as, a, as the president of the Interfaith Council of the Wabash Valley, um, um, which I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, it's an it's a organization of um, people from all different religions, all different ethnicities. And um, we, you know, work together on combating hate and uh, taking a stand for religion, protecting faith. Um, and um, so... You know, every every meeting that we have, I feel we're building bridges between diverse groups. Um, and so this play is part of the same, you know, sort of overall thing that I do in my life is feels like it's bringing, bringing people together and yeah. saying, hey, we, let, we share our humanity. You know, we all face death, we all face suffering, we all, you know, long for love. And that's what unites all of us, and um, and don't let anything separate us. Hmm. Yeah. I, and I can see why you're such a Thornton Wilder aficionado on it. <laughs> yeah, and he's he was he got there first, I and mean, yeah. he got there long before I did. Yeah, he he did. He he loved humanity, and he was a a, a very strict observer of human beings, mm -hmm. and it comes across in you know every line. Mm -hmm. um, and he was a marvelous writer. He was a very succinct and poetic, a subtly poetic writer. Yeah. Um, and and um, uh, I think the achievement of our town was extraordinary, and mm. and to live with this play now for so long. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I've taught it many, for many years and uh, directed it in 1991. Here I am directing it in 2022, mm. and um, it's I've you know it's become part of my my own heart, mm. and um, so so sharing it with uh, this people in this wonderful state that I've gotten to know so much better uh, is a joy and a privilege and an honor. Well, we're honored to have you and all of your experience to direct this play. It's, it's thank you for coming to Nebraska. Sure, sure. <laughs> sure. All the way from Indiana. All the way from Indiana. Yeah. Well, I kind of wonder from uh, Thornton Wilder, I think maybe him growing up in China maybe helped him uh, be more of an observer. Yeah. Yep, a it did. Of our culture. It did. It did. Yeah. And his father being an ambassador and having that experience both uh, both when he was abroad, but also um, even in his own uh, life, he was a, a person who loved to travel. He just mm -hmm. loved to travel, and he traveled everywhere. And, uh, you know, just he made himself at home 
because I think he just identified with humanity wherever mm-hmm. it was and was able to um, build bridges himself with all kinds of people. And I think that's what makes his writing so wise mm-hmm. and deep and um, and human. Um, and um, so it, it, it it's such a privilege to live with Thornton Wilder in directing this play. And, uh, and I have to say, I, I also want to call out the wonderful designers that I have who've been uh, with me at every stage. I mean, I really think people will come and see a beautiful stage that will be gorgeous to look at. The set is beautiful. Um, yeah, what kind of set do you have? I was curious because... Uh, well, it take, well, it's very interesting that you asked that, and I'm happy to talk about it. <laughs> um, it's, uh, so so um, I always felt it should start in a graveyard because uh, part of the story I'm telling is this, you know, this, this stage manager who's been traveling all around, you know, walking the White Mountains and comes to this graveyard. So we, I felt it had to start in the graveyard. Okay. So we see him at the tail end of a process that he's going through where he's taking notes on their stuff. So we have to the graveyard. So I said, well, okay, what would this graveyard look like? And I did some research and uh, looked at a lot of graveyards, and I found a ruin of a uh, church, of an old, uh, old, old church that had gone to seed, but the, but the archway, the main archway, had become the entryway into a, into a cemetery. And I said, that's the kind of cemetery I'd like people to enter into. Mm-hmm. So literally, they go through an old ruin that has moss growing on it and all that, and through this beautiful archway, um, and they, they come in through, and there are these graves, and we see you know, a bunch of graves. We don't know who those graves are, when we first get there, but uh, gradually we start to realize, and then we sort of bookend the whole play with the graveyard. So it begins with the graveyard, and Act Three is in the graveyard. So that's hmm. what we see. Um, and what happens is we transform it by turning it around. Uh, you have a domestic scene, but the way the domestic um, appearances is, it's the um, it's the structure of a house before it's had the drywall put on. So we just see the, we see the, um, you know, the, the, the wood structure yeah. of the house. Because um, just as Wilder's getting to the essence of humanity, I wanted the essence of a house, not an actual house. Okay. So we have a, um, you know, you see the lattice work of the, the stairs leading up, et cetera. And that's where, you know, George and Emily are doing their homework on the second platform, high up. Um, So, you know, traditionally it's done on ladders. Um, Mm. And we do have ladders, but our ladders are subordinate to this image of a stripped-down house, which is the other side of the ruin. So it Mm. moves twice. So once it starts as a ruin, then becomes this kind of essential house, and then it goes back to the ruin at the very end. Um, And and that's also a simple stage technique that, you know, I told you about the book I wrote, The Simple Stage. Mm -hmm. Um, That, uh, so so not only did it, does that book culminate in our town and the empty stage idea but through the course of the book I look at other strategies of simple stage and one of them is called the permanent setting a permanent set is where there's one piece of architecture that you have through the whole play that stands for the whole play. It becomes a symbol of the play. Yeah. So um, Robert Edmund Jones was the great designer of that for example for Hamlet he had one 
big hallway, one giant arch. And the whole Hamlet was done with that giant arch. Yeah. And and no matter where you went in Hamlet, you always saw part of the arch. They would light it in such a way where you'd see all of the arch or half of the arch or just a piece of the arch, but you'd always see at least part of the arch. Well, uh, that idea of the permanent setting was the idea behind this ruin that then pivots around and we see both sides of the ruin. Okay. And we always see the ruin. You never stop seeing the ruin. Okay. So you're always aware that our death is always with us. It's, it's, always, always, it's always on our shoulder, you know, wherever we go. And I got that idea not only from Thornton Wilder, but from Rilke and uh, other, other people who've had a big influence on me. Um, so when you when you see um, well I won't spoil I, I don't want to spoil it but uh, if people come yeah. I think they'll enjoy seeing how uh, the grave and images from the grave feed into our everyday life in our production so that you're always aware and it's Thornton Wilder was always aware that we're always you know our, our death is is part of uh, who we are and what we take around with us for sure <laughs> Wow. That's amazing. So you you can you can't change the script, but you're able to do this at the beginning of because yes. it's it's not part of the That's the right. normal script, but right. you're able to, to Absolutely. add these things. Yeah, yeah. As long as uh, we we don't use any language, it's all, and we even put in a dance. We put in two dances that oh. are not in the the play as written. Yeah. Um, one is a dance mime that's in the beginning of the piece. And at the end of Act uh, Two, which is the wedding, the love and marriage, uh, we have another dance that we added, which Thanks. is not in the play as written, but uh, is perfectly compatible with the action. Sure. In other words, it doesn't. Hopefully, won't feel like it's, you know, pasted on. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It always it always fascinates me, you know, what the the constraints are of a script and and how you can go about enhancing well, it and, and not but not change it that's right, always very right, fascinating right. to me that's the challenge well <laughs> and when you've got a good script um like this um you're you, you can really be sort of amazed at how much leeway you have with really out without changing anything right, uh, right. and and you you know you you could do the same thing three times the same show three times and have it come out Three different ways, absolutely. With, with three different directors who want to show you something different, and nobody mm -hmm. changed a single syllable of the script. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's what I teach when I teach directing. I, I teach, I said, you know, every production should look different, um, yeah. and yet use the exact same text. And yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And you were. Um, You've done a lot of dance in your background, right? You've done some ba dance yourself? Well, um, and I, I'm not a dancer, um, <laughs> God, God knows, but um, I actually um, was uh, in a theater and dance department at Trinity College, and uh, that always made me think, how can I use dance? Uh, and I've become, I think, one of the traits of my directing is that I often use dance, uh, sometimes there is a dance in what I do, mm. like, you know, t and, you know, when I directed Godspell or The Fantastics, oh, there yeah. are dances sort of built into it, but, um, but then uh, sometimes I find a way to use dance that's not necessarily obviously in the script because of, uh, I guess, being in a theater and dance department, I just was seeing a lot of dance and, <laughs> and, and grew to love dance mm -hmm. and, and felt that it was a, a way of expressing that goes beyond what language can do, so it Absolutely. was nice to be able to use it. Yeah. 
Wow, I can't wait to see this production. Thank you. Well, I'm excited about sharing it with you. I'd love to. Yeah, this has got kind of a unique experience. Uh, you know, somebody, you know, with the addition of music to such, you know, uh, a classic play that has been what produced more than any other play in history or, i think or, i think i read it was been produced four thousand times in the last decade is just what in I the read. last 10 years right. Yeah. yeah right unbelievable right so i i, I kind of think this is a a, a big deal it's like mm-hmm. oh we're adding music to our town it's like oh hold on say that again right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes that's that's it's you know it's an american staple it's yeah it is it so is what is next on the horizon for you well uh that's exciting um well you know i i do a lot of writing which i i'm working on several plays actually that i'm very excited about uh one i just started since i've been in nebraska and that's been thrilling uh to 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 start to work on that an adaptation um, uh, of a play by Ibsen, um, uh, wow. and it's too early to talk about it, but okay. it's really fun. I'm really excited okay. about about working on it. Yeah. Um, also, uh, one of my former students, who's a brilliant playwright, is working on a, a play about Eugene V. Debs, and um, I have all plans to to direct that play uh, he's been working on it for maybe five years and it's wow. uh, what he's doing is extraordinary and uh, really looking forward to that it's a two-part piece though two two plays two parts about the life of Eugene V Debs and it's extraordinary so I'll, I'm looking forward to directing that um, and um, I look forward to going back to the Interfaith Council of the Wabash Valley I've sort of been on a sort of little bit of a leave from it because of uh, the, of course it's so demanding to be involved in a production like this right. but they they've been uh, they've soldiered forth uh, with you know I have a wonderful executive committee who's doing a great job of keeping the, keeping the ball rolling there, but it'll be fun to go back there. I'm looking forward to that. So, you know, I have a, I have a large agenda. I, I'm working harder since I've retired. I was going to say, yeah, it's a good thing you teaching. retired. <laughs> yeah. you, know. you have time for all this stuff you're doing. <laughs> right. Will you have to travel for your great, projects yeah. that you're doing now? You'll have to travel. Uh, again, you know, I'm, ho- I'm hoping, uh, first, I'm really looking forward to getting home yeah. uh, sure. I, you know I have a dog and a cat and oh, my wife and my you know my life there is of course uh, I'm really important to me too so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to, to getting back to, to that as well but um, it's been great being here uh, the the folks in Nebraska are very friendly very warm welcoming um, I couldn't ask for for better than that and to have such talented uh, people to work with at Nebraska rep uh, mm-hmm. designers and technicians and and uh, administrative staff. Um, It's really been a team effort. All of us have worked so well together uh, as a team. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better, and you know, when when you hit my age, you start to think, you know, you don't know what's going to be your last play. Mm-hmm. And um, I like to think that um, I approach all the projects I work on now as if it were going to be my last. I hope it's not, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it's in hands much bigger than mine mm-hmm. uh, of what actually is going to happen. But I, I, I like thinking I'm going to make this play, you know, the the best play I possibly can because if it's my last I want it to be everything it could possibly possibly be 
whether it will or not, we'll see. But uh, it's uh, it's nice to to feel that I I have the I have the the, the team to do it right, mm-hmm. and I'm I couldn't be more more thankful for that. Wow, well, we're just so thankful to have you. Just a great talent to to come here and. Uh, to produce this and to work with us thank and you. to talk with us today. We're very privileged. Sure. Thank you so much. It's, Absolutely. Been, a pleasure. it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank it really you. has. Can't Stop. wait to see it. Yes. Can't wait to see it. And, uh, and, and I'll say it right this time. It's, it's, it's Dr. Arthur Feinsod. I, yes. I apologize. Professor. That's okay. <laughs> he is directing the upcoming Our Town at the Nebraska Repertory Theater. Thank you. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the Platte River area and beyond. Please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music for this podcast was used with permission by Screaming Skull Productions. See you next time on the Platte River Bard. <laughs>